Good morning, everybody. It's always that tension of, do you wait for the song to get to the end and then start speaking, or do you let them just fade it out and then you can start speaking? But uh, again, good morning, everybody. My name is Cole. I'm associate pastor here at the church, and uh, Pastor Rollin is the lead pastor. Every once in a while, I do get the opportunity to come and share with you guys uh, what God has been putting on my heart, and so I'm excited to do that today. And as always, being in Chicago, I want to say good job, because even though the calendar says that spring is here, it is not here yet. Not in my heart anyway, my North Carolina heart. It was a cold walk over here this morning, so I just give you guys uh, kudos for getting here. So before we, before we actually get started and we dig into the Word, I want us to pray. And the reason I want us to pray is because we're talking about something that does not get talked about very often, at least the Word doesn't get talked about in our everyday course of life. And that, that Word, which is the third uh, word in the acronym of FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, that we're going through, uh, that third word is reverence. I'll say it again because you probably haven't heard it in a very, very long time. Reverence. And for that to be produced in our hearts is literally a miracle of the Holy Spirit for us to just not go our own way and do our own thing when we want to do it. So let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for you. Uh, thank you for sending your son Jesus coming in the flesh uh, so that you could remove all um, false ideas uh, of what we think you were like. Uh, and so, Lord, uh, now we pray that you would teach us and that you would even grant us by the power of your Holy Spirit the uh, ability, the desire to revere you, to have reverence for you, honor and awe and respect and just to fall down on our faces when we think about you and we talk about you, that you're completely set apart and different than any thing, any person that we have ever experienced because you are the creator of, of all of those things. And so, Lord, we ask that today that you produce that miracle in us of reverence, that we would be able to love you uh, and love people as, as you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, so, I uh, do not feel qualified to talk about reverence, but you know who is qualified? The Bible. That is the good news about being a preacher. If you just stick to the Bible, and it will make all things clear. It will have its attendant effect. It goes out and produces what God said it will produce. So here at Second City Church, we want you to not only walk away with what Pastor Ron or what Pastor Cole were saying, but we want you to walk away knowing what God himself has said, and that will produce fruit uh, in you. So guys, I uh, want to give a background of where we were at uh, the last couple of weeks. We've been working our way through First Peter. Uh, there are two books in the Bible, just to not make any assumptions that people know, there are two books in the Bible which are letters that are both named Peter. There is First Peter, there is Second Peter, and they were written by, guess who? The Apostle Peter. So I'm going to give you just a little bit of background. Uh, the first week, uh, in the first chapter, Pastor Rollin came and spoke to us and was pleading with us and urging us, based on 1 Peter chapter 1, to live a life that is full of focus. That we'll be able to focus, keep our eyes on the prize, keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, and to not be distracted by anything else. 
uh, out there, but to keep our eyes on him. Week two, which was last week, if you were here, and if you weren't, I encourage you to go back and listen to the message. They're all on the website. Uh, and the second chapter of Peter is I, and that was for identity. Everybody say it with me. Identity. Identity. And we talked about two different types of identity, which I'm going to go through in just a minute in a little bit more detail. But to summarize it, it is the identity of Christ. And then because of who he is, who does that mean that we are? Okay, so the Apostle Peter, he was writing from Rome, which he calls Babylon in chapter 5. And Peter is writing to Gentile audience, and most likely there were some Jewish believers there that were scattered throughout the Roman provinces to the east um, in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. And isn't it cool to know that when we're reading the Bible that we're actually reading about real places and real times, even though you may have never been there and never seen it? Well, guys, I'm standing here as not just a preacher, but as a witness. I have been to Israel. My grandparents, when I was 14 years old, they bought a trip for me and my parents to go there. I have seen it with my eyes. Trust me, it is real. You can take that home. You can bank on it. You can invest in Israel. It's a real place. It is there. He is writing to them to encourage them to endure unjust suffering because Christ was also Firstly, rejected by humans and endured suffering from sinners. Okay, that was Peter's main goal, was encouragement. So we want you to be encouraged when you leave here today. And upon suffering, Jesus Christ entered the blessing of life, setting us an example that by faith in him, we can also endure suffering and rejection. Okay, that's the whole purpose of this letter from beginning to end, not just chapter 3, but all the way through, is that you will have to come through suffering, if you were going to make it all the way to the end when Jesus comes back. Has anybody in here suffered at all? Has anybody in here been rejected at all? Have you ever wrongly been accused of something? Yeah? Yeah, me too, guys. So this is a human-wide experience and condition for everybody at all time. And so Peter's words are not just for them back then, they are for us today. Um, especially as, uh, well, no, we won't even go there yet. So social rejection is probably what most of us feel now because we're living in the United States, if you're listening to this, most likely. And so you may not be suffering like actual persecution, but if you're really trying to live for Jesus, you're doing things different than the rest of the society is. You are going places. You are spending your time and your money in ways that, if you open those, your calendar and your checkbook up to people, you will be ridiculed for doing that. They will be like, you are very unwise. You're wasting your life by doing this. I was talking to somebody recently, and that was the exact words they said. They said that my friends are literally making fun of me and saying that I am wasting my life because I am following Jesus. Okay, well, I'm here to tell you straight up, if you are following Jesus, you're not wasting your life. You are investing in eternal life. God wants to change the way that we think so that we can live in a reverent way that fears him and not man. So our prayer today is that everybody in here, everybody listening on the podcast, today would be your day of deliverance from the fear of man, and you would be able to live for God alone. And so uh, he came to endure suffering and rejection with an expectation of the blessing of life to come. Do you have an expectation that what you're investing in is really going to pay off? Well, that's what Peter wants you to know. Okay, in the previous chapter, chapter 2, before we read through chapter 3, Peter reminds those suffering that their God-given 
identity is in Christ, who is an immovable cornerstone that God himself has placed, and that we believers and followers of Christ have an identity of a holy priesthood. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ today? I'm getting ready to tell you who you are. Listen up closely. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and your faith is in him alone, just like them, today God calls you holy. Okay? There's a distinction, being in Christ and not being in Christ, but if you were in Christ, he calls you holy. And not only does he call you holy in Christ, which we could say saint, you know how Paul starts most of his letters and a lot of the uh, books in the New Testament do, but he also calls you a priesthood. I want you to follow with me here. If he's calling you a holy priesthood, what do priests do? They, they intercede. They, they bring sacrifices, right, on behalf of the people. So he's not only said that you are united with Christ, you are right with me if you're in Christ, you're holy, but you are now going to live a life of service and intercession and bringing spiritual sacrifices, helping others by enduring suffering, even when they are persecuting you for doing the right thing. And that is your spiritual sacrifice as a holy priest to the living God. Okay? So, um, by faith in Christ, in the one and only Lord and Savior, we are being built into a spiritual house of worship of which he is the cornerstone. Okay, my friends, this is not just about, about me. This is not just about Rollin. This is just not about you individually in your seat. He's building a holy priesthood. He's building us into a house, okay? So each one of us are bricks that are being put together, which means what we do matters. It affects one another. We are together in this. We are not just individual priests out there. In this spiritual house, or that word could also be translated a temple, which is where sacrifices take place, we are expected to bring spiritual sacrifices to walk out our new identity as a holy priesthood. Peter then says that because of this new identity of being a chosen royal priesthood and having received mercy, though we were formerly object of God's wrath, quote in uh, chapter 2, verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, because it will happen, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. I'm going to read it again. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So, my friends, the reason that we endure suffering is so that those who persecute us, right, whether they mean to or not, right, they usually don't really understand what they're doing. They're just living for themselves, right, because they're, they're not in Christ. They have no hope. Um, the reason we do that is for God's glory. Okay? I want to hammer that home. The reason we endure suffering and we love people even when they are not being loving toward us is for God's glory. God is glorified when sinners repent. God is glorified when they are shown mercy. When we are shown mercy, it's God's goodness that draws us to repentance. When, we're, we're, when we are enduring this suffering uh, unjustly, we're showing God's goodness and his kindness, just like Christ did while we were still sinners. He died for us. So I don't want you to think that you're going through something that is uh, unexpected or is not glorifying God. It is glorifying God. And this is how he is 
uh, bringing glory to himself through your life. Okay, so let's get into the good part as we approach chapter 3. This is where Peter begins to tell the believers what it looks like to live such good lives, making spiritual sacrifices, which is um, what we're doing when we're living good lives, that will one day glorify God when Jesus returns. The Holy Spirit, through Peter, says we will live these lives or make spiritual sacrifices out of reverence for God. And here's the kicker. When we get into the Word, I just want to hit this up front, okay? If you're living a life that is reverent for God, you are submitting to those around you. Dirty word, submit, right? I live in the United States of America. I have freedom. I can do what I want to do. Okay, that may be true. But if you want to glorify God, you need to count your freedom as an opportunity to serve people. Okay, because this is how we bring glory to God. And this is what reverence looks like. I want to say it again. Submission to others around us. Not, um, not, not only desiring our own way, but not pressing to get our own way, but deference to others around us. How many other ways can we say this? Allowing others to, to, have, um, uh, to have their way um, is one way that we do that. So Peter addresses a few specific groups of people, but he starts with all people under the Roman government. Now, this is still in chapter 2. And then he picks up with the most vulnerable of the society, and he begins to work in an order. Uh, he starts with the most vulnerable of the society, working his way up to the least vulnerable, the, the weakest to the most powerful in terms of their, their, their like physical power or strength that they've been given, not in terms of value at all, but in terms of just their, um, their power. Uh, he starts with slaves, and then he goes to wives, and then he goes to husbands, and then finally to all people. He also knows that Christ's likeness starts in the home at a family level where our inner motives are most often on a daily basis played out. Okay. Now we're going to read chapter 3, and we're going to see why we just went through all of that. Okay. The, the, the main thing that I want us to take away before we go into chapter 3 is I do not want you to point out certain types of people and say, this is me, this is not me. This is a lesson for every believer everywhere. And this is about living a life that reflects a heart that is surrendered to God, no matter what your role is in the family, and no matter what your role is in society. Okay? Okay? All right, so we say, this is for me. That, was, that didn't sound genuine at all. This is for me. Okay, let's read. Chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, which, with the imperishable, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, 
Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless For to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, okay, this is the whole crux of the message right here. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prayer to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, it's coming up on April 7th, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Amen. Amen. So there's a word that came across there a lot as I was studying that. That's why we chose reverence. So in the NIV, every time you saw the word respect, uh, it was actually translated as reverence. Okay? And so that's why we chose that word for that. So the summary of chapter 3, if you want to write it down so it's clear, the summary of chapter 3 is when we have a genuine inner reverence or respect, but reverence of Christ, we would genuinely love, respect, and honor those whom Christ died for as our spiritual sacrifices and worship in spirit and truth. This inner reverence will produce in us a gentle and quiet spirit because we have been delivered from the fear of man. Does anybody in here desire to have a gentle and quiet spirit? This is not just for wives. (laughs) This is for everybody. If you're being ruled by the fear of man, we are never going to get a gentle and a quiet spirit. We are always going to be combative. We're always going to be abusive. We're always going to live in fear. We're going to even battle ourselves. We're going to have wars waged against our souls, which we are not going to be able to win those. So what is, what is reverence? Like we said, we don't hear that word very often. 
So here's what I came up with, guys, doing the research. Reverence is honor and respect that is deeply felt and outwardly demonstrated. Okay, so this, this starts in the heart. It's not first something you do. It goes back to chapter 2, about Peter chapter 2, about your identity. It's about who you are. Okay, which goes back to who Christ is. Remember Pastor Ron talking about Christ community culture? It all comes back to Christ. If you're here today and you're looking for a gentle and quiet spirit, I just want to make it clear that that will be found in Christ. When you realize that he endured suffering from sinners unjustly, the only perfect man who ever lived, he did not revile, he surrendered, he submitted. Why? Because he had a promise. He had a promise that there would be a resurrection, that God would raise him from the dead, and he would be seated at his right hand, and he would rule and reign forevermore. If you know that about Christ, and you trust what he said, he said, those who take up their cross and follow me, who repent of their sins, this will be your reward too. You will be raised from the dead. doesn't matter what man does to you. doesn't matter what your boss at your corporate job does to you. doesn't matter what your husband or wife does to you. doesn't matter all my young friends out here that have grown up in a, the Bible calls it a pagan household, but it's just a godless house, right? That's what, that's what it means. It doesn't matter what your, what your parents do to you. If you know Christ and you've trusted in him, you can be set free from fear today because you know that you're right with God. And no matter what happens to you, no matter your circumstances, whether you would count them as good and bad, as just or unjust, if you are right with your maker, it's going to be okay. It's going to be more than okay. It's going to be blessed. There's going to be eternal life. But then... If that is your identity, if you're found in Christ, you're clothed in him, your sins are washed away, ah, you're free from those chains. Now you're called to follow Christ. And that's where it says that it will not only be deeply felt, but there will be an outward demonstration. And I couldn't think of a better word. I'm sorry, guys. The outward demonstration is just through mutual submission to one another. Right? Right? You're going to do what is right, and you're going to tell people you know, about Jesus and what is holy and what is right. But even if they revile you, you're just, you're just going to say, okay, I'm not going to fight back. I'm not going to retaliate because my Redeemer is strong, and he's going to fight for me. I don't have to fight. I just want you to tell this. In that regard, you don't have to fight for your rights. Why? Because somebody else who is much stronger than you is fighting for you. Who knows both sides of the story? Who knows perfect justice? And he's going to make, he's going to make it worth it. Reverence and revere, they sound similar, right? Rev, rev, reverence, rev, revere. Reverence and revere are closely tied together with two other words, or actually four other words, uh, which are fear, awe. Thank you, David Hedger, for taking the community group through that book called Awe a while back. That was very transformational, and it has a lot to do with reverence. 
um, awe, honor, and respect. We like the word honor. Yeah, would you agree? Like, that, no, it's not so bad to honor somebody. They did something honorable, so you honor them, right? We like the word awe because we like mysticism. We like not be able to quite put our finger on something, but that's cool. I can roll with that. But the word fear. Now, we said that God would deliver us from fear. Now, were we talking, what kind of fear were we talking about? Guys, the scripture is super clear where it says that we must work out our salvation. Remember we talked about we have to know Jesus, we have to know Christ, and then we'll be delivered from the fear of man. But scripture is very clear that we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And if we have reverence, an internal reverence for God that works out word, guys, sometimes when you're in the presence of God and you're convicted of sin, there, there should be fear and trembling. If you don't have fear and trembling, you have to really ask, if I am just co- committing these habitual sins, am I really in Christ and I, and I, just, need to, I just need healing from these patterns in my thoughts, these patterns in my uh, life, or do I really not have reverence and love for God? Am I okay with nailing him to the cross all over again every time? So we should have that fear and trembling, and I just want to make that clear. That is a mark of true reverence for a true follower of Christ. In the Bible, when people encountered God, the reverence drove them to the ground. All you people out here that have, that have read your Bible, you can probably think of half a dozen times, especially in the Old Testament, where people encounter God, or Moses doesn't know what to do, and what's the first thing he does? I'm going to give you a visual. <laughs> Immediately, they fell to the ground with their faces on the ground. I'm not going to put my face on the ground, but <laughs> right this second. But do we, really, do we really fear God that much that when we don't know what to do, we actually fall to the ground with our faces, or we go to the Word of God? Like, that's our first knee-jerk reaction. Knee-jerk reactions, our reflexes, spiritual reflexes, we can call it, really show the condition of our heart, don't they? And that's why God not only wants us to know Christ, but he wants us to be in community. Because what happens when you get wrong the rub way, it can only happen in community, because if you're alone, there's nobody messing with you but yourself. And so, uh, you, you know, you have reflexes, right? Somebody says something, ah! And especially when you step up to be a community group leader, right? Because people say they're going to be there, they're not there. Ah! Are you really doing this for them or for God? You know what I mean? Like, let's work it out. Do you fear God or do you simply respect God? This is a question I want us to take home. Do you fear God, have reverence for God, or do you just respect God? Oh, he's done some great things. He made the world, and I really enjoy it. Good job, God. (laughs) Like, he's a good architect, right? I mean, my wife is a great architect, but she's not God, you know? I respect her, but I don't, I don't fear her in that regard, and I shouldn't, and nobody should. <laughs> she's a sweet woman. I'm trying to back up here. Sorry, honey. Um, that's why I wrote three pages so I wouldn't go off track, but it did not work. <laughs> okay, here's another one for you. Respect alone will not drive will not drive you or anyone else to sacrifice for God. 
respect alone when I drive you to sacrifice for God. If you don't have reverential fear of God, you won't live that life, that calling of a royal priesthood, making spiritual sacrifices. You will only give when convenient. If convenience is in the word, it's not a sacrifice. Is in the sentence, it's not a sacrifice. It will only also influence you to make better decisions about your body, your, dare I say, uh, relationships, romantic relationships, whether you're married or single. You will only make better decisions that are beneficial to you or convenient as well. Reverence toward our amazing God and Savior starts in the heart as a work of the Holy Spirit, but if it's genuine, it will not stay there. When we begin to love ourselves, the way Christ has loved us by demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit toward ourselves. Basically, you love your neighbor. Okay, the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Well, if you don't love yourself, how are you going to love your neighbor? It's going to be very difficult, right? It's going to be very difficult. So the first thing, when the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, he's going to give you love for Jesus, okay? You're going to love him. You're going to surrender your life to him. You're going to say, my life is no longer, you're going to fall on your face. Or you're going to get baptized, April 7th. You're going to get baptized and say, my life is yours now, okay? But you're going to actually begin to love yourself, not in a way that is building yourself up, but a way that is building the temple of God so that the Holy Spirit can begin to operate. You're going to make better decisions about your health. You're going to make better decisions about the way you spend your time and the way you spend your money. Because I'm telling you, friends, the Bible tells us that when we're a slave to sin, all the devil wants to do is kill, steal, and destroy. Do not be deceived. Until you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, your decisions are just tearing you down. Okay? They may have some momentary uh, joy, pleasure, or you may be playing the financial game right because you're smart in that area, but wealth is going to just disappear, guys. It will sprout wings and it will go. So I'm saying is we have to love ourselves, and that's part of when the Holy Spirit comes in. It will work its way out through love, respect, submission, and honor to, number one, our spouses. This is for the married people. If you have a real, genuine, reverential fear, love of God, the very first person it should affect when it works out is your spouse. Your very first ministry of spiritual sacrifices as a royal priesthood is to your spouse. Okay, it was first to God, right? But if it's to God, is what I'm saying is that the very first person will be your spouse. And family. Second, and then thirdly, your community. Remember, Jesus sent the disciples out. Well, it was the Great Commission. Um, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, and he told them um, in Acts to begin in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Well, whenever God is really working in you, it should for, before you feel like you need to go way to another country or another city or another part of town, it needs to start in your own household first. 
And if it's not, then you need to come back to God and ask what's, what's broken here, that I'm not taking care of my first responsibilities that you've given me. All right. Do you guys like checklists? Yeah. God is bigger than a checklist, okay? But checklists just really help clarify. So I have... I'm just going to read them all. I'm going to write them all down. There's 16 of them. It may not be all for you, but just listen. And write down the ones that are important. And during the week, check these. How do we know if we have a genuine reverence for Christ and aren't just giving lip service or hand service? How, how can I know? Okay, you ready for the checklist? Okay. By the way, this checklist comes directly from 1 Peter chapter 3. I just broke it down into like bite-sized portions. Okay, number one, wives, and it's really for all of us, but Peter was uh, addressing the wives in this case. Number one, wives, if your husband isn't obeying the word, are you loving them by having pure and respectful conduct, putting on the inner beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which God sees and says is very precious in his sight, essentially living with reverence of God even when your spouse isn't? Number two, um, are you doing, quote, good despite threats, or is the fear of man quenching your spirit? Are you feeling quenched in your spirit a lot? Like you want to do stuff, but you're not. Number three, husbands, are you living with your wives in an understanding way, showing her honor as God's heir with her in the gift of life? Husbands, do you feel like your prayers are hindered? Do you feel frustrated when you pray? Oh, that is the Lord's conviction in my life. (laughs) If I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling, the first thing I need to check is, okay, have I repented of any sin, and then how's my wife doing? Number four, do you have unity of mind with other believers? Are you always being abrasive and just not getting along with people? Number five, do you have sympathy? Can you feel what others are are feeling and do you have compassion for them? Number six, do you have brotherly love? Do you love others as yourself? Number seven, do you have a tender heart? Is it tough, hard to get into? Or when somebody says something, it actually affects you. No matter how like ugh, hard they had to be to, to jam it in there. Does a gentle word actually affect you? Number eight, do you have a humble mind? Every time somebody suggests something, do you, ah, they hate me, they think I'm wrong. It's like, what, guys, maybe God sent them to share something with you. If you have reverence for Christ in your heart, you'll thank him for sending somebody to help you. And you'll have a humble mind. Number nine, do you bless those who do evil to you, revile you, or despise you? Do you just put up with it, or do you bless them? Do you say, I'll be fine, or do you give them a cup of cold water on a hot day when you only had one cup? Number 10, do you keep your tongue from evil? A man shall live by the fruit of his lips. 
and a woman, just a person. If you're always speaking evil about people, do you really love the very people that Christ came to die for? Including yourself? It says that Peter, after he, um, after he betrayed, well, he kind of betrayed Jesus, right? He just said, I don't know him, three times, right? And then it says afterwards, when he heard the rooster crowed, and he realized Jesus was right, he did um, leave him. It says that Peter called down curses on himself. Don't call down curses on yourself, guys. Satan's doing it enough. Speak what, what God says about you. If he says you're a sinner, you're a sinner. Repent, get right. And then he says you're a saint. Great. Walk in it. Number 11, do you lie? This is all straight from chapter 3. Do you lie? Do you think that God will not find out and there will be justice one day? Number 12, have you turned away from evil and are doing good? Are you continuing down a path that doesn't love God or fear God and that doesn't love him for people, or are you actually going in a new direction? Number 13, are you seeking and pursuing peace? Okay, you're looking for it. Okay, you found a path of peace. Now you're actually going to pursue it. Do you really want to live at peace with people like God does? And the number one way you do that is by obeying the gospel, surrendering to Christ, but then also preaching the gospel. Number 14, are you honoring Christ the Lord as holy? Not as a man, not as a teacher, but as God. Set apart, unlike anybody you've ever met before, or is he just another advisor in your book of advisors that you call when you have an issue? Number 15, are you always ready to give a defense for your faith? Section B, with gentleness and respect. Still can't be combative, not allowed. <laughs> and finally, number 16. Are you willing to suffer for doing good, knowing that Christ did this for you while you were still a sinner? Would you really, if you were God, pump the very hearts of the people who were nailing you to the cross while they were doing it. That's hope. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, this is Jesus talking, you are the branches. If you remain in me, which means obey me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You'll have a fruitful life. Eternal fruit, spiritual sacrifices. It'll be great. True reverence in your heart for God. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you're not sure today, I want to give you an invitation. You could be many places along this spectrum that we're talking about today. You could be separated from Christ. Bound for hell. If you don't turn around and get right, we'll use fun language, get on the Jesus train. Today's your day to get on the Jesus train. 
Just repent. Say, I'm a sinner. I can't do anything apart from my own. I need salvation. Today's your day. Or you just, one of these 16 things, you're like, well, I just, I just need to repent of one of these particular things. Today's your day. Do it. <laughs> Continue in the right direction. You're on the right train. Stop walking backwards on the train and just start moving forward. The only way to truly have reverence for God in your heart is to accept His Son, Jesus Christ, by repentance of sins and placing your faith in Christ alone for your righteousness. Okay, at the end of chapter 3, we learn about Noah, and here's what we learned. Noah and the other seven who were saved from the destroying floods showed their heart's inner reverence, repentance, and trust in the Lord by obeying God's good news, because it was being preached back then, his good news in getting into the ark to be saved. God said, the world is condemned. If you want to be saved, here's an ark. Get in the ark. And Noah was a preacher. He's saying, everybody, get in the ark. Get in the ark. How many people got in the ark? Seven were saved from the destroying floods. Today, we show our reverence of and trust in Christ by being clothed with Christ, by going down in the waters of baptism as they went into the flood waters. They emerged, meaning the seven, because they went to the ark, into a new earth cleansed of sin, and we emerge into a new life with Christ and, and it, with a cleansed conscience, being still in the world after your water baptism, but no longer of the world. Once you come to Christ, you're cleansed by faith. Even before you go down to the waters of baptism, it happens by faith today if you do it. But it's the demonstration at the water baptism where the world knows that you have done this. And your conscience is clear. Why? Because Jesus said, do this. He said, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ. So you get a clear conscience when you do it. One short, short story. And then we'll, actually the worship team can come up now, if you'd like. Um, but short, short story. Because chapter 3 talks explicitly about water baptism and the importance of it. I want to tell you about my water baptism because next Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, we always do on the first Sundays, is an opportunity for water baptism. I grew up going to different churches, different denominations, different doctrinal statements. You know, I didn't know all that when I was a kid, but looking back, I know. And I was presented as a child. Uh, and that was, some people call that baptized as a child because they, you know, water, sprinkle on you, whatnot. Um, but then when I was 12, like I was pricked in my heart and my friends were like actually getting water baptized, fully immersed into water at a church that we went to. And so I did it, but I did it out of peer pressure. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, everybody else is doing this. They're on this train. I want to be on the train, so I'm going to go get water baptized, right? Okay, fast forward 13 years. Cole is 25 years old. Most of you guys know this. Cole files bankruptcy. Cole encounters God and actually gets saved, where Jesus becomes Lord of my life, not just an advisor. And he wasn't even a great advisor because I never took his advice. Uh which is my fault. We know this because he's God. Um, 
And then I started, okay, 25, born again, this is awesome. I start serving in the church. I'm giving my tithes, 10% of my income and offerings. I'm volunteering in the youth group with Rollin, and I'm leading uh, Bible studies at the apartment community I lived and worked in. God's doing great stuff. I'm like, okay, now I need to go to ministry school. And so I go to ministry school for the six-month intensive school to be a minister. And in that school, I finally realized I need to be water baptized as a believer. Like as somebody who's actually given their life to Christ, I need to do this. At the age of 27, after growing up in the church, thinking I was, you know, saved, and at 25 actually getting saved, and then it took me two more years (laughs) to get water baptized. I know there are some of you in here, and I'm pleading with you. Go. If don't let it, get a clear conscience if it's bothering you like it was me. Okay? So I'm going to pray for you guys now, and we're going to go back into worship. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us so much that you would give your word to us to make things clear. God, we pray uh, that your word, your seed, your gospel would find room in our hearts. We pray that you would produce all the fruits of the kingdom of God. Love, joy, peace, righteousness, patience, long-suffering. All these things against there is no law. We ask that you produce it. And Lord, we ask specifically that you would give us reverence, true, deep reverence for you. Deliver us from the fear of man right now. In Jesus' name, that we may love you, serve you, and work with you in your mission to our world. In Jesus' name.